If you have a Bible with you, turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. As we continue through our series, Home for the Holidays, we've packed our bags with our essentials. We've encountered some roadblocks. But now we finally made it to the driveway. We're finally home. And what most of the time would be a sigh of relief, some joy mixed in with the comfort of just simply being home, there's sometimes some stresses when you get there. Some stresses of being at home with family members that maybe you don't really care for. Right? Sometimes there's a lot of changes that happen from the last time that you're at home to now. Sometimes you walk into your old room and now it's an office. It's not your room anymore, which also means that your parents don't want you to stay for very long. And my parents were like that. They, they turned my room so upside down that they just built another house. They didn't want us to be there anymore. No, that's not true. I'm, <laughs> Mom, will talk, she'll talk to me about that. She'll be like, you really don't feel like you... You're welcome here all the time. I know, I know. Right? Sometimes traditions start to change. Uh, the people that you gather with start to change because families grow. They get bigger. And, and unfortunately, sometimes families separate, and so they get a little bit smaller. Holidays can bring a lot of changes because, well, a lot can change in a year. I mean, if you really think about it, from last year's Thanksgiving to this year's Thanksgiving, has there been a lot of change? Probably. Maybe a lot of little changes. Maybe for some of you it's been big changes, but there's been a lot of change. And change has a real effect on our mind and our spirit. And how we approach changes in our life really is how we approach the holiday season or any season of change. Meaning that you can come into change with so much resentment or you can come in with so much hope joy, love, and peace. And so in the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua, we find that there's this change in leadership, this dramatic change in leadership. An entire nation is going through a significant change. They're going from Moses to Joshua to be the leader of them. And so in Joshua chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all the people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert in Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to be right to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that it may be careful 
that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Heavenly Father, as we open up your word today and learn a little bit about how we can deal with changes that are happening in our life, I ask that you just pour out your blessings in your presence in this moment. Lord, speak through me as you only know how and always have for so many years now. And Lord, open up all of our hearts to receive your message that you've placed on my heart. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So with Thanksgiving starting this week, we're making our way back home for the holidays. And for some of you, it's physically traveling home, uh, traveling to different places this week as we go through Thanksgiving. But others of you, um, you're fortunate enough to have people come to you. And so you don't necessarily have to go anywhere. You're still going to be at your house. But if we're all being honest, and we all know this, home is not necessarily a place. It's, it's your family. And so when our families come together, it's like we're all coming home because we're all together. No matter where we gather, we're home, we're together, we're eating together, we're spending quality time with one another. And what I love about the holidays is that it's these special moments that we have that we normally don't get throughout the entire year where we're just with all of our family, not just some of them, but all of them. But probably, and I'm just... I'm kind of guessing that some of you are starting to see some of your traditions change. You're starting to see some changes in how you're doing Thanksgiving, how you're doing Christmas this year as you're planning. I know for, for us, for Chloe and I, we're seeing a lot of changes because, well, for one, we're married now. And so um, not only am I having to deal with our family, my side of the family, with how much it's growing and um, how much everything, everyone's so busy and it's hard to find time with my family, but it's starting to get that way with Chloe's side of the family too. And, and so we're trying to figure out different times that it just works out for all of us. And honestly, it's almost impossible to figure out where everyone can be in the same room at the same time. But oftentimes holidays are a season of change because traditions change. Sometimes, and maybe some of you, your traditions changed, and now you're just now getting used to how it changed, to where now it feels like that's how it's always been. But the holidays are this season of change, and we constantly have to adapt to busy schedules, to different people, and, and, and pick and choose sometimes when our families get so big. But change always seems to happen. It's like the holiday season is just, I know I've said it a couple times, but it just is this season of change. And if you're anything like me, I know it may not seem like it on the outside, but on the inside, if you're anything like me on the inside, you hate change. I do not like change. When Chloe and I were going through premarital counseling, the pastor that was doing it, he said, you guys really don't like change, do you? No, we don't. Like neither one of us like change at all. And part of that is because I speak the language of calm and harmony. And what does change do? Not make it calm, and there's very little harmony because people have different opinions on change. And so I'm a natural people pleaser. That's what I want at my core. Like I said, exterior, maybe you don't feel that way, but on the inside, it tears me up 
when someone is discontent, when someone is not in harmony, at peace. And so I know that if I start changing things, people are going to be discontent. There's not going to be as much harmony, and I'm not going to be calm. And so it's going to stress me out, right? And if you're anything like that, you just don't like change, then you know exactly what I'm talking about because change can be very, very stressful. And I often thought about this, and so I'm going to ask you, you don't have to raise your hands or anything, but how great would it be if everything stayed the same all the time? I would thrive (laughs) because everyone would be at harmony. No one would, like, no feathers would be ruffled. It would just be everyone's at peace. It's the way that things have always been. Everything's fine. It's working. We're good. Everything's all good. And, and, you know, I've heard this from some of you. You remember the good old days? Like, all of us, we have a different version of the good old days, and it's always a different year span. But I guarantee that you have a couple years, maybe like two to seven years, where you're just like, that was the good old days. And if you had a time machine, you'd probably visit that time a lot, right? No, maybe the world seemed more at peace during that moment. Maybe it seemed less stressful. Maybe it was a time where you felt like neighbors were actually neighborly and families actually loved each other and were able to get together on Thanksgiving without all the stresses and everything. And those were the good old days. And it's just because some of the things in the past seem to work better than they do now. Uh, this past week, um, on Wednesday, we at, at the Brotherhood uh, meeting that we had on Wednesday, don't ask me how we got to the conversation that we did, but we, we got there somehow, and we started talking about refrigerators right? Start talking about refrigerators. And so I don't know where we got. We finished all of the missions business, okay? It wasn't like we were just (laughs) trying to figure out a mission with refrigerators, but we started talking about refrigerators, uh, probably because we were waiting on the missionary society to dismiss. But um, we we started talking about how it seems like the older uh, refrigerators were built to last. They were built to last a long time, a lifetime. But now refrigerators are built to be replaced. They, they aren't having as many quality things in there to cut costs, but also that has resulted in, in them not lasting as long. And so um, on Monday of this past week, which I find this interesting, uh, Chloe and I, we went with her parents to go to Costco. And we were just walking around. We'd never been in there, so it was like Christmas to us. We were just kind of looking around and trying not to buy everything. But we walked by, and we saw this refrigerator. And it looked like a normal, modern-looking type of refrigerator, but it had this black box on it. And so I walked up to it because I was curious. I was like, what's the black box? And there's a little sticker that they put on the refrigerator that said, knock. Okay? So I went. And it lit up the fridge, and you could see right in. You didn't even have to open it. It was just, you knocked twice and it it lit up and you got to see in. And so I was thinking, wow, how technology has advanced in refrigerators, right? Every single thing that, like every single time I've thought about a refrigerator, if it keeps it cold and keeps my food frozen, it's fine. 
right? But now I'm looking at this, I'm like, I kind of want it. Because now I, I can just, walk, instead of walking by the fridge and opening it up, I could just knock on it and it'd show me everything that's in there. And so, and then I started thinking, well, then Chloe would get annoyed because this would be happening all the time. Because I'm constantly walking by the fridge, opening it up, and looking and saying, ah, oh, there's nothing in there. So I close it, I do something else, I come back to the fridge, still nothing, right? All I would have to do is knock, it'd probably save some energy. But then I, I started looking this up, because I remembered this from a few years back, and I looked it up, it was in 2016 when this refrigerator was released. And this will make sense in a minute. Um, we were, I was looking, and there is this refrigerator made by Samsung. Now, Samsung did not sponsor this message, but if they want to, they can. But they added the family hub to their refrigerator. Now, if you don't know what the family hub is, and you don't want to know how much of a car payment you have to take out to get this fridge, but it has basically a tablet. It has a computer built into it. And so it has that similar type of black box. But you can see everything. So if you have ever walked by your refrigerator and wondered what the forecast was outside, you can put it on the fridge. If you've ever been in the kitchen and someone rings your smart doorbell that has a camera on it, and you're like, I don't want to go to the door that's five steps away. I want to see who's on it on the fridge. You can look at it on the fridge. Now, here's, I, I know it has like all these little things that you can do that's kind of pointless. It's like uh, one of them I saw, if you have a smart thermostat in your home where you can change the temperature, you can change it from the fridge. Why get out your phone when you can just do it on the fridge? But there is this one thing that I actually think is neat is have you ever gone to the grocery store and thought, man, if I could just open my fridge right now, I'd know exactly what I meant to come for. Anyone ever been there? Just me? Okay, that's cool. Um, so there, there's cameras inside of the refrigerator. And so if you open up, like if you open up your refrigerator, you'll see everything. If you close the doors, at any moment, you can take out your phone and look at what's in the refrigerator. So if you're at the, the pool mall, if you go all the way to Walmart, if you're in Evansville shopping and you're like, I, don't, I forgot what was in my fridge. I forgot if I have any milk. You can open up the app and see if you have milk or not. But that's not the craziest thing. It has Alexa built in, which means that Alexa scans your fridge. And if you're getting low on milk, it will put it on your digital grocery list. So that like way too much technology in a refrigerator. I mean... Just make a list when you go. But, but there's, even though there's all of those great things for some people, they still don't last as long. And so sometimes change can have all of these nice flashy things, but the quality isn't going to be good. It's not going to lead anywhere successful. But if you refuse to change, there's also something that can go wrong. Because think about blockbuster movies. Blockbuster movie rentals. For the longest time, and I know I'm young, but I remember going to a Blockbuster movie, so I'm not that young. I'm young, but I'm not that young. But our family, we would go to Blockbuster movies sometimes because you would just rent a movie for a low cost, watch it for a day, and then return it. And so you didn't have to buy the movie. You could just pay a low thing, a low fee, and, and get to rent it and watch it from home. 
And then when you're done with it, you went back and you returned it. Everything about Blockbuster was working for so long. They were so successful until Netflix started changing things. When Netflix came in, and I, I think they had their own type of Blockbuster type of mentality. I think they, they used to send uh, movies to your house instead of having it. Um, you go into the store, they would mail it to you. But Netflix had this crazy idea. They said, what if we upload all of these movies to the internet and create a subscription fee, a small subscription fee, to where people can watch it from their homes at any moment, on demand, they can pause it, they can play it, they can go back to it, but it's all at their hands for this low subscription fee. And when they did that, Blockbuster thought they were crazy, or they had to have, because Blockbuster didn't change very much, if anything, to compete with Netflix. Because Blockbuster, I'm just assuming, I wasn't in the boardroom or anything, but I'm assuming that in their minds, they're like, well, it's worked for so long. I mean, people aren't going to stop going to Blockbuster movies to go and get a movie. Everyone owns a DVD player. Not everyone has internet on their TV. So it's, it's just going to continue to work. And they didn't change. And eventually, the business died. Because the innovation of technology transformed the way that we watch movies now. So even though change is uncomfortable and unpredictable and some right, sometimes just risky, change is also necessary and it's needed to, for us to embrace. After all, our whole lives as Christians is based on change. Because Jesus Christ came and he transformed our life. He changed our life for the better. All of us who follow Christ have been changed by him. And so we're constantly changing as Christians, as followers of Christ. We're constantly adapting. We're adjusting to the changes that we need to make to be more like Christ. But as much as we change as a culture and as a people, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's the solid rock on which we stand. Because even though everything's changing we trust in the one who doesn't change. He doesn't have to change. There's a story in the Bible that comes from Joshua. I've connected with it, and I, the more I study it, the more I actually love it and relate to it. But it's the story of Joshua. And in this opening moment of Joshua's leadership, we often look at it and we apply it to leadership because that's what he's doing. Joshua is leading a nation. He's about to lead a nation. So oftentimes we look at that and we're like, good leaders need to be strong and courageous. And that's true. I think that's true. If you're going to lead your family, you have to be strong and courageous. If you're going to lead a church, you have to be strong and courageous. If you're going to lead a Sunday school or a small group and you're going to teach someone about Jesus, you have to be strong and courageous. Sometimes we think and we look at the, the fear that Joshua might have had because God said, do not be afraid. And thinking about how, much, how fearful it would be to to now be put in a position to where you're leading over 2 million people. And we look at that and we say, well, God says, be strong and courageous. So in the face of fear, in difficult seasons of our life, God calls us to be strong and courageous. And I think that's true too. I just want to take it a little bit of a different direction. Joshua has been 
appointed to lead over two million people into a fight to take the land that they were promised. Not very many people talk about the drastic change that happened in Joshua's life and in the Israelites. See, we, we talk about it, we just don't use the word change. He went from being the assistant to Moses to being the new Moses. Now, if you don't understand the weight of that, Moses was described by the Bible as one of the greatest prophets to ever walk the earth. And Joshua has to follow and fill those shoes. Moses took entire generation, got them out of Egypt, out of the slavery of Egypt, got them through the sea, through the wilderness, up to the promised land. And that's who Joshua has to follow. Talk about some stress. Here's another thing that you probably don't think about. Joshua, as Moses' assistant, if he messed up, Moses was there to correct it. Now if Joshua messes up, two million people will experience the consequence of that mistake. Not to mention the unrealistic expectations that people had for him. How many times do you think Joshua heard, well, Moses used to do it that way? Uh, well, when we were in this situation in Egypt, this is how Moses did it. There are two million people there, and I wouldn't put it past them to, for some of them to think, why did they appoint Joshua? I could run this country so much better. I could do so much better. You know, I just... I wasn't in, I wasn't in on the inner circle. And so Joshua, you know, and they tried to make him, they probably tried to make him like Moses. Joshua was strong enough to say, I'm not Moses, I'm Joshua. I'm gonna be Joshua. I'm gonna be who God's called me to be. I'm not gonna try and be Moses, but still the amount of pressure that Joshua would have had. But also think about the Israelites. They lost Moses, their greatest leader that they've had. The one who got them out of Egypt, who got them through the sea, who, uh, or traveled throughout the wilderness. And now they have this new leader coming in and telling them what to do. Some of them probably wish that Moses would come back and just live forever so that Moses could be the leader forever. But here's the thing. Change is hard but it requires the vision of where the change will lead you. Change is hard, but it requires vision to see where the change will lead you. For 40 years, or for around 40 years, they're wandering in the wilderness, which basically just means an entire generation of people who were uh, walked through Egypt, who walked through the sea, who walked through the wilderness, that entire generation has passed. Because God promised that no one from that generation, except for Joshua and Caleb, who experienced all of that, would be able to enter the promised land. And so that entire generation has passed. But for 40 years, 40-ish years, these, this next generation, this new generation, has only lived in the wilderness. That's it. That's all they've ever known. And what's so great about the wilderness? There's no conflict. What's so great about the wilderness? It's comfortable. Because you don't have to face any fights. 
You're just there. You're just living. But things were about to change for them so fast because they were about to walk across the Jordan River and start battling for years, fighting for years for what God has promised them. They knew that God would be faithful and that if they were faithful and obedient to him, that they would not see a loss, and they didn't. But the reality is, is that that change was difficult. Imagine how difficult it would have been to walk across the Jordan River knowing right here I'm comfortable, it's what I've always known, it's how things have always been, but now I'm crossing over this river and I'm going to get attacked, I'm going to get beaten, I'm going to get broken, I'm going to get hurt, it's going to be painful, but it's all going to be worth it. That's because this change is hard, but when you have the vision for where the change will take you, it makes it easier. It allows you to be thankful for the change. It allows you to be joyful and filled with joy and excited about what is coming next. So how do you deal with changes in your life? Well, for one, seek the word for comfort. Seek the word of God for comfort. If you look at uh, verses 7 through 9, God tells Joshua, essentially, he says, read the word, study it. Meditate it. Meditate on it. Make sure it's on your lips. Do this day and night, and you will be successful. You, you will find victory if you seek the word, the word of God. And, and so in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, what I mentioned before, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can look at that and be comfortable in the midst of change because he's the solid foundation in the midst of a world that's trying to shake you and push you down. When you trust in Jesus, you will be shaken. There, there's no doubt about that. The world will continue to shake you, but if, you're, if Jesus is your solid foundation, you will never fall down. You'll be shaken, but never fallen, because he remains unchanged. The second one, and this is where the majority of this message is going, and I'm kind of wrapping up, kind of. Be strong and courageous and know the Lord is with you through the change. Be strong and courageous and know the Lord is with you as you walk through change. You know what I find interesting is that throughout this story, we've talked about the changes that Joshua would have had to go through, the pressures, the fear, which all of those are reactions to change because we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We can only just dream about it. But Joshua constantly needed to be told, be strong and courageous. When we look at the four verses, Joshua 6 through 9, God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous three times in four verses. I think it's important that Joshua heard, be strong and courageous. But not just that. If you look down to verse 18, what do the people tell him? Joshua, be strong and courageous. And so in the first chapter of Joshua, as Joshua is about to lead these people through the Jordan River and into the promised land to go into the fight of their lives, you'll see the words, be strong and courageous four times. But it doesn't stop there. If you look back at Deuteronomy chapter 31, Moses is still alive. And you'll see these words written three more times, be strong and courageous. 
Back in Deuteronomy chapter 31, God tells Moses, whenever you die, I'm paraphrasing, but whenever you die, Joshua will be the next leader. And so Moses goes to Joshua, tells him these things, and Moses says, whenever you take my leadership, whenever I die and I pass away and you're the next leader, be strong and courageous. As you lead these people, be strong and courageous. And then God comes to Joshua while Moses is still alive and says, Joshua, you're going to be the next leader of Israel whenever Moses dies. What I need you to do is to be strong and courageous. So Joshua, from the time that he knew that he was going to be the next leader to the moment that he crosses over the Jordan and tells his people to advance into the promised land, he heard, be strong and courageous seven times. The whole nation was about to change. Their entire history in this moment was going to be fulfilled. The promise that he gave Abraham, I will give them a land, is now about to be fulfilled. And if it had not been for the willingness to change, the willingness for Joshua and all of the Israelites to take that step and to change their lives dramatically, they would have never taken the land and they would have continued to wander in the wilderness. You see, when God changes things in your life, it may hurt, it may be painful, it may be uncomfortable. You might have your, your fears and your doubts. You'll have some battles that you'll face. You'll face a ton of struggles, but God will be with you wherever you go. And wherever you go and he's there, you will conquer it. You may feel like you're battling a losing battle, but you will conquer it in the path that he created for you. You see, what God does oftentimes in our life is he places change in front of us to transform us to be more obedient, faithful, and trusting in him to take care of us. Just think about all of the, the advancements that Joshua did. Joshua walked up to the walls of Jericho. The walls that would have stood several stories high. And he said, if we just walk around, march, I guess, march around, they will fall. See, Joshua was faithful and he was willing to change. And a lot of things are changing in your life. A lot of things are changing in this church. You can see it, you can feel it. There's a little bit of uncertainty on where we might be going. But I promise you, God is transforming you and he's transforming this church to fulfill the purpose that he has for you and for this church. Now, we may never understand why certain things have to be changed. Why certain things must be changed. But with God's blessing, you will enter the promised land, the land that he promised for you. And church, I want to share this with you because it's been on my heart. I've not really communicated it a lot, but this is the moment that I'm feeling from God to communicate this. This church, Shady Grove General Baptist Church, is on the threshold of the land that God has promised us to be here where we are today. It's up to us to be faithful and obedient to him. And I want to tell you something that I've noticed. I don't know if you've noticed it, but I just want to share with you because my mind is not about just making the church look pretty and making it look different. It's always focused on the mission. 
And several months ago, we made that decision. We made that very faithful, trusting in God decision. We're going to take the pews out. and We're going to put chairs in here. Since that moment, we've seen four baptisms. Since that moment, we've had one entire family join this church and several others consider membership. Since that moment, we've started a kids' ministry on Sunday mornings that's thriving. Right? Our first, one, first two ones were, there were 10 kids in there. I don't know if you realize, I didn't realize that there were that many kids before we had that. But there's 10 kids in there. I don't even know how many is over there right now. But also with that, I've seen more new faces than I've ever seen in this church. Since that moment that we were faithful and obedient to something that we all thought was, I don't know about it. I don't know what this is going to bring. Since that moment, we've seen us starting to walk into the land that God has promised us. And I've shared this vision with you before, and I'll continue to share it. Next year, 20% of our congregation will find new life in Christ. And it sound, it's scary for me to say that definitively, that's what's going to happen. But I'm telling you, that's been the vision from the very first Sunday I've been here. You can ask the deacons. <laughs> 20% of our regular congregational attendance will find new life in Christ and be baptized in that baptistry. I don't know about you. I, I've, we only visited on, on certain holidays here. But I don't know the last time for you guys, and you could probably answer this, the last time that you guys saw that many baptisms in one year. The last time that maybe even this year, we've had eight baptisms this year. When was the last time that you saw eight baptisms in one year? If it keeps going, we're not even at 20% of our average attendance. Imagine if there's 10 or 15, maybe even 20 next year. How amazing would that be if at the moment that we said, God, we're going to be willing to change, even if we don't like it, even if we don't want it, we're going to change because you told us to. And what if it's because of that moment that we decided as a church, we're not going to stand in God's way. We're going to be changing wherever we need to change. And we're, we're going to stay faithful where we're faithful. We're going to stay obedient to him. And what if that leads us to a place that you and I have never seen in this church before? I know there are times in your history where you thrived. But what if it's even greater than those moments? because we decided today to be faithful and obedient. Church, I'm telling you, we're on the threshold. I can see it. I can feel it. So are you going to continue to be faithful to him?